This edition of Outcasting will begin in a few moments. Like all public radio stations, WDFH depends on financial support from our listeners. Please visit WDFH.org and click on Donate to make your tax-deductible gift. Shows like this can't be done without your support. Thanks, and now, Outcasting. This is Outcasting, the Lower Hudson River Valley's only youth-run radio show dealing with LGBTQ struggles, triumphs, lifestyles, and favorite dance moves. Where you don't have to be queer to be here. Outcasting is a production of WDFH-FM 90.3 in Austin, New York, and on the net at WDFH.org, community public radio for New York's Lower Hudson River Valley. Hi, I'm Nora. In a moment, Travis will talk with Alex Sanchez, an author of novels focusing on LGBTQ youth. Among his books are The Rainbow Boys, The God Box, and most recently, Boyfriends with Girlfriends. Travis and I will also discuss portrayals of LGBTQ people in the media. But first, a glitter bomb. On November 1st, 2011, Dan Savage was glitter bombed by a group calling itself the Dan Savage Welcoming Committee. It happened at the University of Oregon during a question-and-answer session. The group accused him of being transphobic and misogynistic. Though Dan Savage has not yet responded to this event, he has in the past defended his role as an ally to all when accused of bigotry. Hi, this is Travis. Today we're talking with Alex Sanchez, author of the award-winning trilogy Rainbow Boys, along with The God Box, Getting It, and the Lombardo award-winning middle-grade novel So Hard to Say. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. It's great to be with you. Alrighty, Alex, your books cover topics that we don't normally see in literature. What led you to want to write stories about kids coming out and dealing with religion? Well, I think it it, it springs from my, my own passion to speak out about things that I care about. Uh, when I speak to people, they ask me, well, how do you decide what to write? And it's like, what what is the most stirs you, you know, uh, makes you most angry or sad or happy or joyful or, or whatever it is? And for me, a lot of that is about growing up and, and both the, the joys and the struggles I had when I was trying to figure out who I was and, and you know, my, my crushes, whether they, you know, were, uh, you know, on other guys or girls and figuring all that out. And then, and then having the courage to talk about uh, my attraction to other guys and so that in terms of, uh, you know, the, the gay and lesbian issues, and then in terms of uh, religion issues around religion and spirituality, that, that, that was also part of my, my growing up and trying to figure out, you know, who did, who did I think God was and, and how did that, uh, you know, coincide with, with uh, you know, my sexuality or how did it challenge my sexuality and, and, and all of that. It really springs out of my own desire to speak out about things that, that I care about. Mm-hmm. And as your career as an author, have you seen LGBT youth be more represented? In books, yeah, definitely. When when I was growing up, or when I was in high school, let's say, and that was in the early 70s, there were, there were no books that portrayed other, you know, other uh, young people like myself, uh, you know, who were, who were having those crushes on, on the same sex. And so it was, it was a very scary and lonely time. And, uh, there were lots of times when I would feel like, you know, I don't, I don't want to be like this. Why is this happening to me? And feeling like I was, I was the only boy in the world who was having these, these feelings. 
Uh, it was a time, you know, it was the dark ages before Will and Grace, you know, where there weren't any representations of, of openly gay people. Uh, you didn't even hardly even hear the word gay. Sometimes, you know, you'd hear someone whisper homosexual, but that would be it. It was very different from, you know, today when, you know, we young people growing up, you know, will hear about, you know, same-sex marriages and, and gays and lesbians in the military and, and things like that. When I was growing up, that that didn't happen. So, in terms of you know books that are sort of targeted and about uh, uh, teenagers, you know, as books started appearing in the in the late 80s and and 90s, there was sort of this unspoken rule that if you had to, that if there was a gay or lesbian uh, teen character, it had to be a secondary character, and they had to. Uh, you know, either die, uh, die uh, tragically, uh, or commit suicide. Uh, you know, they they something had to happen to them. Something bad had to happen to them. And so, when I was writing Rainbow Boys, a couple of things. In my first novel, uh, I was very clear that no one was going to die in it. And also, I I began to realize, you know, this is the book that I wish I'd had to read when I was a teenager. And that's you know kept on in terms of. Whenever I think about writing a story, it's like, you know, writing about the things that, that I don't think are being written about, things that I wish had been available when I was growing up and which, you know, I'd like other young people now today to be able to read. In the past year, we've seen the public suicides of too many LGBT youth. And how have these death, deaths and the related media attention changed or not changed your writing? Well, in terms of, uh, you know, I think we never know, you know, exactly why a person commits suicide, but we do know from, from you know, those of us who haven't committed suicide how hard it can be to, to live with, with uh, you know, the hatred and, and the ignorance of, of homophobia, that, that pressure that constantly, you know, challenges us in terms of, you know, we're wrong, you know, for, for loving people of the same gender and... So, you know, the fact that, you know, gay and lesbian young people are, you know, three times more likely to commit uh, suicide or try to commit suicide, it's sort of like, well, you know, they're, they're, it, it makes sense that there's, an, there, that there's something there about the pressures of being gay or lesbian in a homophobic society that can lead to suicide. So in terms of my own writing, it's like, in, in, in most of my books, there's always been some element of, of homophobia because I write realistic fiction uh, stories in which, well, that's, that's part of growing up for so many young people. It's changing, definitely changing, but still, you know, as evidenced by the suicides for a lot of young people. And, you know, I hear about it when I visit schools and I hear about it in the emails that I get uh, where young people are being harassed and bullied and called names. And so it's it's been an element that the the portrayal of homophobia that that I've included in my books, and at the same time, you know, things have changed a lot from when I was growing up when people didn't even talk about it, but kids were still bullied, and so now at least there's more talk about it, more openness uh, uh, about it, and so at the same time, I try to present that in my writing in terms of of the hope. Uh, the change that is occurring, and the fact that that well, but not everyone does commit suicide. And and what is what is it that does keep us going? 
what is that strength that we have that allows us to face up to bullying or face up to homophobia. We're talking with Alex Sanchez here on Outcasting, where you don't have to be queer to be here. Alex, what do you think is the hardest part about writing books on LGBT youth? Hmm, the the hardest part, I think, is just getting getting the voice right. You know, getting that sort of uh, balance of uh, the the struggles of growing up, and at the same time the the exhilaration of of being a young person and and experiencing you know love and crushes and excitement and and all all that stuff for the first time. So uh, in in writing, we talk about getting the voice, getting the voice right. And so part of that is finding that balance between how hard it can be and how fun it can be. Uh, so that nuance, that balance, I think is the hardest part. A lot of celebrities and rock stars today identify as bisexual, and they have a huge influence on youth. What do you think are some of the effects on this in relationship to your new book, Boyfriends with Girlfriends? Well, the, that book about, uh, you know, it focuses on, on teens who are really struggling to, to, you know, should they put a label on themselves? What would be the label that they put on themselves? And it came out of, you know, hearing from so many young people now, you know, in response to my books who, who write me about their own uh, confusions about, well, you know, they're attracted to boys, but they're also attracted to girls. And, and so, I think what happens with a lot of young people, because it is more acceptable to be gay or lesbian now than it was uh, when I was growing up, then it's sort of like, on one hand, they're more willing to take on that, that identity of uh, as a gay or lesbian uh, person. But at the same time, they're, they, they're like, well, but at the same time, I also have attractions to the opposite sex. So what does that make me? And so my my response usually is, well, follow your heart. You don't have to put a label on who you are. And I think, unfortunately, uh, too often times today, we sort of think, you know, sexuality is this black and white choice of either you're gay or you're straight. When the reality is that that um, for most of us, uh, sexuality is is very complex and fluid and 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 not so easy to to pin down you know whether we act on it or not we may have feelings for the same sex or the opposite sex and so when celebrities uh come out as as bisexual i think that's giving young people another option of how to define themselves uh not not in the sense that it's a choice because orientation is is what it is you know we are what we are but we do get to choose what label we put on ourselves. And so, uh, you know, young people, it's sort of like, well, why do I have to label myself as gay or straight? Why can't I just be me? And and if I'm bisexual, then I'm bisexual. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's great when, when celebrities highlight that. And, and that's a lot of what I wanted to write about in, in that most recent book about, you know, uh, young people grappling with that in terms of, how to define themselves, how to identify themselves. Your books cover a variety of different topics like religion and just coming out, bullying, those sorts of things. And are different books written with different messages to readers or with a general message in mind? Well, what, you know, when I write a book, uh, you know, what I try to figure out is what's, what's the story? You know, who are the characters and, and what's the story? What happens between them? And how do they change and grow? You know, where do they 
where do they mess up? What do they learn? How do they change? How do their relationships change? How do they uh, affect each other? And then uh, out of that can come some sort of uh, some sort of message. But I I don't I don't set out writing with a with a particular uh, message. As it happens, what what people tell me is that most of my books are are basically about young people who figure out how to be true to themselves. So if there's any any message in my books, it's it's fundamentally that about uh, you know being being true to yourself. Do you ever imagine a future where there's a normalization of LGBT youth, where stories of gay teens falling in love are just stories about teens falling in love? Well, I think that, I think that's already happening. What uh, when you know when my first when my first manuscript went to the publisher, the publisher was really excited about it in terms of you know uh, that was Rainbow Boys, the story of you know three high school uh, gay and bisexual high school boys. Uh, you know, uh, falling in love and finding friendship, and and they were very excited about it, but they were a little concerned about whether there would be enough uh, sales for the book because, uh, you know, the uh, LGBT uh, teens are a very small segment of the population. What none of us ever foresaw, foresaw was what has turned out to be the biggest audience for the for my books, and that's uh, straight straight teenage girls. You know, they 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 are basically you know doing what you said. They're basically reading stories about teens falling in love, and that you know they happen to be uh, gay teens is sort of a, a an added interest for them. I think what happens with so many young people nowadays is that unlike when I was growing up, they know someone who's uh, openly gay or lesbian, whether it's uh, you know friends or relatives or parents or or whoever it is, so they're they're curious about well, what does that mean to be gay or lesbian, and so they like reading those stories, and so in that sense that a normalization is occurring. I see it too when I go to schools. I mean, there still is you know so much uh, harassment and bullying in schools. I don't want to uh, minimize that, but I also hear from you know so many young people that that in their schools it's not. It's not a huge issue. It's still something of an issue, and they get annoyed with the, you know, that's so gay uh, comments they hear in the hallways, but they're not getting uh, beat up. And, uh, you know, uh, administrations and teachers and counselors are standing up for them. So it is changing. And so I can definitely see a future where, you know, it will be more and more accepted and, and uh, as you say, sort of normalized that, that well, you know, teens are teens and people are people, and who you fall in love with, that's who you fall in love with, and whether you're gay, straight, or or bi, or or even trans, won't be that that big of an issue anymore. So it's it's exciting to watch it happening, and it's, it's exciting to be part of that in terms of the books that I write and and hear from young people how you know. You know, I write about young people who inspire me, and then it's it's exciting to hear how my books inspire other young people. So it becomes a sort of circle of of uh, inspiration where we we encourage each other along. We've been talking with Alex Sanchez here on Outcasting, where you don't have to be queer to be here. Alex Sanchez is the author of the award-winning trilogy Rainbow Boys, along with The God Box, Getting It, and the middle grade novel So Hard to Say. Alex, thank you again so much for joining us. 
Well, thank you. It's, it's been a pleasure. And uh, just to say, you know, if people would like more information there, they can visit my website, which is alexsanchez.com. Hi, I'm Nora, and I'm here with Travis. We're going to uh, have a discussion about um, how the media um, portrays the LGBTQ community and uh, specifically um, how the LGBTQ community is portrayed in literature, um, both in the past and uh, in contemporary literature. So the first thing I think that would be interesting to sort of bring up is how um, each of us uh, perceive um, the LGBTQ community uh, through what's shown in uh, major media. In mainstream culture, like if you turned on your television, I'd say it's okay right now. I don't see a lot of trans people being represented, but there's a decent amount of bisexual if you watch HBO shows and okay gay. How do you feel the internet portrays the LGBTQ community in terms of internet forums and websites and that sort of thing versus how the major media does it? Because these... The internet is a very sort of uncontrolled uh, system, whereas the major media, for the most part, is a corporate and well-controlled system. Well, I think things on the internet move a lot faster than regular mainstream media. Definitely. Because on the internet, some someone can just talk about something and then that can change people's viewpoints. Like, can I snap? I'll snap with a snap quickly. But in mainstream media, it can take big executives to realize what's really going on with people before we see this shift. And then we have like revolutionary shows like American Horror Story where they're just like gay characters and it's not that big of a deal. Mainly, I just like I said, it's about the Internet can move a lot faster. In some ways, it's almost like a few years ahead of mainstream culture. But I think it's just the nature of of mainstream media like television that it takes so long for it to realize what's going on with people or what what can serve the mainstream really there are two specific communities um on the internet that are relatively popular um the first and the most popular being um tumblr the blogging platform and for the most part it's a very very lgbt friendly um blogging space and even though you have your own blog, there's a lot of interaction between other users, that sort of thing. And LGBT youth could easily go there to express themselves and be supported by the community, whether it's straight allies or there are, there are so many uh, LGBT youth out there already um, blogging about their lives or just simply expressing themselves in whatever way they feel is um, right. The other community, I think, is a little bit smaller, but um, almost just as powerful, and it's uh, the subreddit um, from the main web- website Reddit uh, for uh, LGBT uh, people. It's sort of a uh, an internet forum that you can share pictures, you can share stories, you can share links, so on and so forth. It's a whole hodgepodge of... Um, News and like Travis said, or what you said earlier about how fast it moves. I mean, you you're away from Reddit for four hours and the whole discussion's changed pretty much. Reddit is definitely a place where people are able to seek advice, um, even though it's from anonymous, scary internet strangers. For the most part, especially in the LGBT community, is that there's a lot of support. I think it's comforting when you're on the internet and you see this anonymous hope that people give 
where you go on a website like Tumblr where people set up a blog and they post about themselves or they could just take things that other people have posted and put them on their blog. And when you have this discussion between random teenagers about things that may be bothering them, where I see it where people where I follow their blogs, where they've gotten anonymous messages of hope saying if something's going on with their lives that you can get through it. And I I like to think that this anonymous hopefulness can uh, outshine the anonymous hate that you see on weird websites like 4chan. When we have these websites like Tumblr where people are like we were talking about Jamie Hubley who recently committed suicide. If you read his Tumblr and his blog, uh, one of the few things that was posted before he committed suicide was an anonymous message saying, just hold on, don't worry, you can get through this. It really does get better, believe me. And it just shows that there are some people that really do care. And these people come from going on the internet and probably educating themselves about things that they may not know about so they can show that they really care about others. Yeah, one thing that I actually just remembered and a really interesting story that I don't think a lot of people know about is actually a connection between um, Reddit and Tumblr is um, a Redditor and a guy who had a Tumblr, he was a gay man, he um, came across the Tumblr of a young boy who lives in Canada and he saw how desperate he was, how essentially suicidal he was, and he set up a Tumblr called um, weloveyoutanner.tumblr.com and he posted it to Reddit so that the whole LGBT community um, found out about it and was able to access it and to submit messages of hope to it and just basically inform, tell Tanner how much he's loved and how much, even though the even though these are anonymous people for the most part, that he has support. And this kid was really on the brink from what I read. I spent a lot of time uh, going through his Tumblr prior to the um, public, this public sort of intervention. And you can see the development of how at first he was horrified that people had found out about this. He was being tortured by uh, kids in his school, that sort of thing. And it seems like he's in a better place and that he knows that there's support from it and that he got this, oh, there's, there's a blog dedicated to telling him and other kids who aren't explicitly in that situation or haven't been found out in that situation to see how much um, people are um, interested in protecting LGBT youth. And that was something that was really quite amazing. One of the points about uh, mainstream media is that with the internet, I feel like people can express themselves. If an LGBT youth uh, person can't find themselves in mainstream media, then they can go online and express themselves and find people that are like-minded. And this is really good if someone is having issues with their, with how they feel about themselves. In the long run, I think it's these things that will start to outshine mainstream media as LGBT youth and all other people in uh, minority groups start to find themselves and find other people that can help them get through difficulties or just express themselves and celebrate who they are. One thing that I would like to sort of bring up is um, our experiences um, in English classes studying literature um, and how uh, homoeroticism or homosexuality is portrayed and how it's um, sort of discussed within a class. I think sometimes a teacher might avoid bringing up the topic of homosexuality as there's an issue of kids being mature on the subject. So, for example, last year in my English class, we read Romeo and Juliet like every other ninth grade class in America. 
And my teacher was nice enough to bring up uh, how some scholars believe there's the underlying tones of homoeroticism and love between the character of Mercutio and Romeo. And I think it's important to bring up these things because homosexuality exists. And if we don't have our English teachers talking to us about it and we don't have them bringing up these things and acknowledging that these people exist because schools are a very important place for kids to learn and get past being young and not knowing things, then kids won't learn about these things and they won't be able to identify them when they grow up or when they're reading books on their own. The one book that I would like to bring up that has a sort of different, that deals differently with homosexuality is um, right now in a class that I'm taking, we're reading No Exit, and which is by uh, Jean-Paul Sartre. And there's a character who's a lesbian and uh, Sartre doesn't have the characters deal with it like it like she's a freak of nature and this this um this book was the the play was written um in the 40s i believe 1940s and it was it was interesting to to read the scenes where she's really coming on to another character and none of the kids in my class were really bothered by it i mean what she was saying was like very seductive so it was sort of funny to like to have someone read it i was actually reading her part which was funny just the way that Sartre just dealt with it as something normal was really interesting and we didn't really spend a lot of time talking about it because we were focusing on it for the existentialism not for the sort of uh, sexual orientation gender identity sort of thing but i was really impressed by the fact that sartre himself didn't really care that she was a lesbian that was just a part of who she was as a character and just made her more distinct and more three-dimensional but my classmates were really not bothered by it at all and I'd like to mention Alex Sanchez's uh, trilogy, Rainbow Boys. You had three different characters who fit the whole spectrum. One was a very flamboyantly gay boy. One of them was kind of a reclusive, not really fitting into a stereotype of being gay. And then the third one was this very macho, dealing with his sexuality character. And it was so interesting reading these books and relating to the characters and just feeling like this is like my life in some ways. Do you think that uh, media perpetuates uh, tolerance for the LGBTQ community or ends up sort of portraying caricatures or stereotypes of the LGBTQ community? Well, I think it's a very subjective thing to think about that because we have shows like Glee where they're all about tolerance, yet a lot of the storylines of the show end up being about stereotypes and focusing on either making jokes or just coming back to stereotypes and caricatures of minority groups, like focusing on some of the Asian characters. Yeah, I definitely think that there's sort of, um, like you said, there's a, a very intense subjectivity to the situation, and people can p complain about it. But I feel as long as they're being, as long as they're visible and they can develop develop that visibility, there is definitely hope to dispel stereotypes. So. Even though you might you might start off with a flamboyantly male gay character on a comedy show like Glee, um, there's room for development of characters who are more normal, so to speak, or more sort of vanilla than someone like uh, Kurt on Glee. Thank you so much, Travis, for uh, Thank having you, this Nora. discussion with me. Um, I'm Nora, and uh, we've been uh, having a discussion about uh, the media and how LGBTQ 
uh, people are portrayed in the media, um, and this is Outcasting. We don't have to be queer to be here. That's it for this edition of Outcasting, the Lower Hudson River Valley's only youth-run radio show dealing with LGBTQ struggles, triumphs, lifestyles, and favorite dance moves, where you don't have to be queer to be here. If you are having trouble, whether it's at home, at school, or just with yourself, call the Trevor Hotline at 866-488-7386 or visit them online at thetrevorproject.org. The Trevor Project is an organization dedicated to LGBT youth suicide prevention. Again, the number is 866-488-7386. Being different isn't a reason to hate or hurt yourself. Outcasting is a production of WDFH-FM 90.3, Austin, New York, and on the net at WDFH.org, community public radio for New York's Lower Hudson River Valley. For more information on this program and a list of resources, including the Trevor Project Suicide Hotline, visit us at WDFH.org and click on Outcasting. I'm Nora. Thanks for joining us, and tune in again next time. If you enjoyed this program, please make a tax-deductible gift to WDFH. We can't do programs like this without your support. Visit WDFH.org and click on Donate. Thanks.